Hi, everyone. Welcome to Frontier Faith, a podcast where it's okay not to know, not to know what you believe or certainly why you believe it, or even where you're going in this journey of faith that uh, you have with Christ and that we do together. My name is Nathan Whitaker. My name is Ryan Harris. And today we're going to do something different than we said we would do last week. Uh, Last week we talked about uh, my story of death anxiety, and uh, we finished that by saying that we would talk about death theologically, and we will, but uh, not first. First, we have a, a wonderful opportunity to talk with a teacher within a conservative church body. And um, we want to hear her story. We want to hear how she got to the frontier and how she's grappled with that and and maybe even where she is now, especially given what she teaches and uh, who she is. So we're going to jump right in and we're going to be talking with Sarah. And Sarah, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, my name is Sarah Salzberg, and I uh, I get to teach the Old Testament to high school students, uh, juniors, 17-year-olds, every year. Uh, and I've been doing this for 14 years. So I, I truly do. I can't believe I get paid to do that. Um, so don't tell anyone. Uh, <laughs> people aren't going to listen to this and find out. Uh, no, I, I, that's what I get to do. So Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get into some of the details of your your uh, position now, but I'm curious, did you always want to teach Old Testament? Oh, uh, good question. Uh, I come from, I'm one of those people that comes from a family of teachers, so I did not want to be a teacher. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I visited, actually just, uh, I was going to go to like Wash U in St. Louis, and I was going to be a English, like I was going to be a writer. That was what I wanted to do. And then I just on a whim visited the college I ended up going to and was like, oh, nope, I'm going to be a teacher. Um, But I was going to be an English teacher to start. And then I took a theology class that was not like any of the other theology classes. And I thought, wait, I could teach the literature of the Old Testament, which is in some ways way more interesting than any other book I've read. And then I've just gotten to do that for every year. So it's kind of, it fell in my lap and it's the greatest gift I got. Okay. So not only did teaching fall into your lap, but the Old Testament fell into your lap. It did. Yeah. Huh. You don't hear that very much. <laughs> Normally it's just the walking Old along. Thrust on me. Yeah. <laughs> just walking along and the Old Testament just fell on me. <laughs> uh. So did you grow up in St. Louis? No, um, I grew up like half my life. I grew up in Michigan. Um, and I grew up in this small town of like 10,000. And my mom was the mayor of my town. And mm. my dad was the town doctor. Oh. Uh, and then we moved uh, like when I was nine to St. Louis uh, okay. area. And I didn't, I should always say, I didn't live in St. Louis. I lived in St. Charles, which is not the same. Right. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that until I left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's different. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. And what St. Charles is kind of what the suburban area of mm-hmm. St. Louis? Uh, 
it's like uh, white quintessential flight. suburban. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was uh, yeah. It was like the fastest growing county in the nation, I think, in the '90s or something like that. It mm. was just kind of everybody left. Mm. So, is this white flight from East St. Louis? Is that when this was happening, or is that before? Do you know? Oh, I think it's. I mean, I think since civil rights era. Yeah, it's been going on, but but there's like I, there's pockets like Ladue um, would be like a pocket that's still in St. Louis, but kind of retreating away but yeah. mm-hmm. the suburban white flight was st charles okay area yeah and then south as well later on yeah for um, sure interesting okay um so your journey uh on this frontier uh where did that start to begin with you where do you like to start telling that story whenever you have that opportunity yeah, I, honestly, I don't know that I ever actually told this story um, prior to to listening to your guys's podcast, um, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate the question because I am a little bit of I like to analyze things, and so it made me just the last month or so I've been thinking about my time on the frontier, and I realized I think I was kind of born on the frontier. Um, mm. I, I say that because. I mean, you just heard about my parents who were, um, my parents are very curious. They are lifelong learners. Um, my mom is someone that I think had like three degrees by the time she left university of Michigan. Cause she just kept going back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. my dad was a medical doctor for like 25, 30 years or something. And then he became an artist I mean, he always was an artist, but he he made that his full-time work. And I just grew up with parents that taught me it's okay to ask questions and it's good to ask questions. And um, my, my mom, like you can look up my mom in Michigan history books because she was the first, I think, female councilwoman of our county and she was the first mayor female mayor of our town um and she did that when she was like i think she joined the city council when she was still in her 20s wow um and it was just like a i have fierce women in my life so my mom was just one of those i mean she still is like my mom got her doctorate at 70 like why (laughs) why do that um but yeah, I'm wondering why I'm doing it at 38. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, because, but it is, it's like my mom is just, she wants to learn. She's a history um, professor in Michigan now, actually. Um, but I just, I grew up with a mom that in my mind, it was always, you if you want to do something, try it. And I never... I never saw my mom's real struggle of being a woman in a male dominated world. Cause in my mind, my mom just ran that town. Mm. Um, mm. I now know how much of a struggle that is. Um, sometimes even in like circles of people that she felt close with. Um, but that didn't deter her. And as a kid, I just saw that and was like, that's, that's amazing. Do what you want. Um, and I have a dad who is one of, the most intelligent people that I know, like just his ability to comprehend the sciences. And he's one of those people that still remembers exact lessons taught to him in like his Mm. 
high school physics class. He's just mm-hmm. so his, his brain just recalls all of that. Um, and he's a man of deep, deep faith. Um, and so as a kid, I watched my dad, like I remember as a kid learning about dinosaurs, um, cause my brother had the dinosaur phase Yeah, and I remember my dad, I was just talking about this with my husband. Um, like we were reading something and my dad's teaching us all this stuff just as it is. And, and then I see him also compute, like he has this ability that when he learns something new in the sciences, he doesn't immediately go, well, that's not what I've been taught. Or that doesn't seem to fit with the Bible. Like he goes through the process of asking, how does this still jive with my belief in a creator? Hmm. Um, and a lot of times it would end with my dad saying things like, well, we don't know exactly, but, and then he gave all of his theories. And so as a kid, I just kind of learned, you ask questions and you, and you, you just don't take anything just at face value, not because you're being critical, just that's where learning comes from. Uh, and so actually in this small town, I, we only had a, a Catholic, um, my dad believed very much in private education and my mom being the mayor of the town, like this was kind of hard for her because the mayor isn't sending her kids to public Mm, schools, but, um, she was really good about incorporating like that. I now, again, now I know that Catholic church was like a lifeblood in our small town. Um, and, and so my mom was okay with it in the end, but I went to this Catholic grade school, but I myself was not Catholic. Um, I'm, I'm of a Protestant denomination and it was really interesting because being this curious, inquisitive kid, I asked a ton of questions as we're like in second grade, all my friends are going through, through catechism and going through, you know, getting confirmed and and doing, um, not confirmed that happens sophomore year, um, first communion. And so they're going through all these like conversations and I'm sitting there in class and I don't, I've never been taught marriage is a sacrament. I've never been taught, you know, all these different things. Mm -hmm. And so I would ask questions and every one of my teachers was really good about indulging my questions. And actually I had a really cool, my third grade teacher, every Friday, the rest of the class got to ask me a question that I was supposed to go pose to my pastor and ask him what we believe about X, Y, Z thing. So I remember asking in third grade what uh what we believed was in communion and you know i understood it as best as my little third grade brain could get it (laughs) and then i would go back and always on monday that was the first thing we do in religion class was i would share what my church body believed and then the teacher would kind of share oh that's similar or different or whatever it is um and I just found that to be so, I don't, I, it just, it, I didn't feel the divide that I now see obviously between denominations. And so I think that encouraged me to stay maybe on the frontier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I moved to St. Louis and we were able to go to um, the, a school of my particular church body. And I had, a, I want to make sure it's clear. I love the church body I'm a part of. I I believe we have in our in our like 
doctrine, the at least we have written down um, what I believe to be a good way to interpret the scriptures. And uh, we, as a reformed church body, have you know, these great reformers of the past that have encouraged us to do so. Um, unfortunately, I had, when we moved three teachers in a row, uh, male teachers, who kind of squashed all of my curiosity. Um, you're gonna, This is going to sound ridiculous, and I assure you it is not made up. Uh, in fifth grade, I was given a limit of how many questions I could ask a day in class. Oh my gosh. Um, to the extent that my name was permanently on the chalkboard. So it said, top, I can still visualize it. Uh, top right, my name was in chalk, Sarah. And every time that I asked a question, there was a hash mark underneath it. And once <laughs> I got to the tally of five, I was told never to raise my hand again. Um, uh, so I'm not a teacher, but that sounds like really shitty teaching. It methods. is not great. It's not great. <laughs> no, um, you're going to love even more what would happen if I raised my hand after five. I was um, I had to stay in at recess and um, it's like comical. I had to do like writing out like a Bart Simpson style. I had a, a paragraph that I, I had to thinking. write out that uh, was I had to Simpson. write it, I think, 50 times. And it was something to the extent of like, I will not ask questions beyond when I'm told to. Da, da, da. Like it was yeah. just so comical. So then in sixth grade, I was like, well, I'm done with that. Like, thank goodness. And then um, after one day of class, the teacher said, oh, um, it seems we're going to be adopting Mr. So-and-so's rule. Oh my. And he put my name on the board. Um, but I grew up with these fierce women my mom is fierce my my grandmother my dad's mom is fierce for a different reason like if it makes me really sad she she would have made a phenomenal pastor like she's just a woman who is courageous and curious and like she used to knock on like if you met my grandma she would always ask you like do you know the lord um i remember being in fourth grade in the bathroom at a public restroom with her and hearing her knock on the stall door next to her and thinking she was going to ask for toilet paper. And she asked <laughs> if the lady oh. knew the Lord, oh, wow. uh, <laughs> she was, just, she was a bold lady. Um, and so I just kind of was, it, it made me sad. And at that time I rebelled, but I rebelled, I think in the best way possible as a kid. So when I got this rule in sixth grade, I decided, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to use my questions more wisely if I can only have five. Mm. Um, and my favorite memory of one, by the way, same thing. If I went past five, I got in trouble. Um, so I decided my favorite time was when we were in science class and uh, we had just taken the test on unit six. And our teacher said, in your science textbooks, I need you guys to skip to unit eight. And so I, of course flip to what was unit seven because right, we were skipping right. that yeah. one and uh <laughs> it probably won't shock you to find out that it was about evolution oh, and so i raised my hand and uh i said um why are we why are we skipping unit seven and i was told miss miss trinkline you know why we're skipping unit seven and i raised my hand and i was like i don't why <laughs> why are we not studying evolution and he uh, said because we don't believe in evolution raise my hand by the way every time it's just chalkboard right um why 
uh, but we don't believe in evolution. I said, but even if we don't believe in evolution, shouldn't we know what it is that others believe so that we can better say what we believe? Um, and I was told uh, that that's not a concern for us. Uh, we, we, we will teach what the Bible says. And I then raised my hand and said, but if the Bible is true, then it shouldn't matter what we study, the Bible's still going to be true. And then he said, you know, you're going down a road. You don't want to go down, Miss, Miss Trinkline. And then I raised my hand and I asked my, my last question was basically, do you not know how to defend uh, yeah. the Bible is true? Wow. And maybe that was a little much <laughs> yeah, for a sixth grader. Um, <laughs> you didn't lack but for I was, boldness. I was so you? pissed off. Uh, and I, well, not, I got an after school detention. I had to scrub the tile grout with a oh, toothbrush. Uh, my dad and mom got this like thing sent home. And I remember my dad being like, that's the best after school detention any kid has ever gotten. Um, and this happened more than once. Um, I then had a, a seventh grade teacher who was just, <sighs> he just treated girls and boys differently. And it really bothered me in the classroom. And then there was one day he like, there was a dodgeball got stuck up in the rafters during, during, uh, PE and all the girls were getting changed afterward in the locker room. And I came out and I was the first girl out there and there's all these boys, seventh grade boys trying to knock it down with other dodgeballs. And I was like, well, that's dumb. And so I said, uh, can I try? And the teacher told me no. And I was like, why not? He was like, girls can't throw. Oh my goodness. And I was like, well, you're not going to get it down with a dodgeball. <laughs> and so I went to the supply closet on my own and got a softball out. And like, again, in my mind, when I replay it, it was like halfway across the gym, like over the kids heads, <laughs> yeah. um, I knocked it out. Like I got it with the softball, knocked it out. And I got a detention because I defied my teacher's or like oh, orders. And then I no, went to you the, got a detention because you proved him wrong. Well, but then I well, this is going to get me the after school detention. I went to the locker room and I made a petition that said girls can throw two, and I made all the girls <laughs> sign it and I put it on his desk. You're my that hero. Oh my detention. goodness. Um, but it was really great because then I had to teach her my eighth grade year, and she said, "I've heard about you." It was a woman that I've heard about you. <laughs> and I said, "Have you?" And she was like, "And I just wanted you to know you can ask as many questions as you want." Well, thank the Lord. Uh, I want to hear that, but I also like, I, I want to ask a couple questions about, yeah, please. if I, if I heard correctly, fifth grade was the time that questions were there yeah. uh, on the board. Yeah. So you had that for fifth and sixth, uh, seventh, was that a different school or the same no, school? Same, same school, just the way that our, like, it's just how the middle school worked. It was kind of different teachers. Did you have that for seventh grade too? Um, I didn't have questions written on the board, but I did have a teacher that just would ignore me. <laughs> you grow up with your parents teaching you very wonderfully that curiosity is good. Yeah. And asking questions is even better. And your dad, I love that about your dad teaching you through his own way of doing things that questions are not something that should scare you. There's something that should maybe challenge you to think about something new, but yeah. um, th it's how you grow, I think is what you said. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, your sixth grader 
that is a an interesting time for the life of any human being because you're in the tweens and you know so forth. Uh, how did you how did you go through that? How did that mm. impact you seeing that kind of change? from your teachers and specifically in, in contrast to, I assume your home life was pretty much the same. Um, so how did that, how did you process through that? How did you experience that? I guess. Uh, yeah. Um, I would say this is another thing I thought about, um, in your podcast presented to me. Uh, Honestly, I, I think I processed a lot of it alone um, because I, I was not uh, like I was a kid who was who was liked. I had good groups of friends, but uh, I don't think I was I, I wasn't the kid that was seeking popularity that way or whatever. So I think in a lot of ways, I felt like none of my friends knew this. Like, why is she asking questions? I think just some kids thought it was fun that I would get in trouble for the stuff. Um, yeah. Right. And I think, um, I think other kids were uncomfortable that I would do that. And so uh, for me, it was just kind of, Oh, this is what, this is what it's like to be curious and ask questions. Um, it's interesting. I didn't really talk with my parents about any of this stuff. I would just kind of come home and go, I got in trouble again today. <laughs> Or I'd have to give my my sheet of paper they had to sign, um, and my dad would just kind of encourage me. And my dad doesn't really deal with uh, problems well. <laughs> uh, he doesn't really like. He would never get into a confrontation with any. Like mm. he was never going to be the dad that was going to say, "Don't do this." My dad would always, and my mom too, would just kind of say you, you, you do this, like you, you go take care of this and you're doing the right thing. And maybe I would have liked a little bit more support from them in that way, but I, I'm a person of conviction. So I knew I was right. I didn't need anyone to tell me I was right. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say it did help. I had, so I went to a different church, like a, a diff I was a member of a different congregation than the congregation that was attached to my school. Cause my, my congregation didn't have a school at the time. So when it came to confirmation, my, my seventh and eighth grade year, um, I basically had to do confirmation double duty because I did it in school with one, you know, with the school kids. And then I did it like on a Wednesday night or something with my mm -hmm. church. Yeah. And I had, um, one of my good friends, actually, she's still one of my good friends. Now her dad was the pastor at the school that I was at. And I remember asking a kid asked a question we were dealing with suicide um in in confirmation it was asked and this pastor was so good um he was so good in in like letting us all kind of ask questions and be curious about it and it ended with i remember going home and thinking we never got the answer <laughs> like we weren't told if that person's going to hell or not um and and that wrestling with like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about that. Um, and, and that was really helpful. Cause then I kind of found whenever I had confirmation class with him that I could pose whatever question I had and it was okay if I didn't come away with an answer, but it was all kind of on my own. And then my other, my other pastor, like he's still my, he's like, 
I haven't been a member of his church for 15 years, but he's still my pastor. Um, and he was so good about asking questions and asking questions of us and then letting us ask questions that I was kind of led to believe it's a little bit of a personal thing. And I didn't, I didn't process it with anybody, which I don't know, we could dive into the psychology of that, but that's a different episode. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I was, here's what I'll say. I was worried that someone was going to deter me from, from doing that. You know, like I was worried somebody was going to say, maybe you should just be quiet a little bit, or maybe you should just fit in and don't worry about it. So I think subconsciously, if I told anybody what I really wanted to do, then they would say, stop doing that. (laughs) So is that why you kind of stayed mostly to the five questions? Because you were afraid they were going to take that away, maybe? Uh, I do. I do remember getting threatened uh, with not getting any questions. So there was, (laughs) this is my other favorite one. So then the next the next day I made every one of my questions. Can I go to the bathroom? <laughs> Cause I was like, if I have to go pee, they can't take that away from me. And yeah, that, too, too much information, but I hadn't yet started my period, but I, I at one point was like, I need to go to the bathroom. I'm a girl. And I was like, uh, because uh, no, I you. really was worried I was going to get told you can't go pee. Isn't that yeah. weird? As a teacher, you guys don't have this. I a, students on a regular basis ask me if they can urinate, and I get to tell them yes or no. It's a strange thing. It's a yeah. weird thing. I point yeah. it out to my students every time. Like, am I a warden? Yes, go pee. <laughs> yeah, I the closest I had was I preach longer than most Lutheran pastors, so I go. 20 to 40 minutes easily. Oh, buddy. (laughs) And uh, when I first did that, you know, I was doing 30 minutes consistently for, for a while. And some people were starting to get upset and they were saying, you know, some of us have to go to the bathroom. (laughs) So get up and go to the damn bathroom. I said, "Uh, I don't care if you get up to go to the bathroom. You can do that. You're a grown, grown ass adult. You can go. It's one of those times where you look around and say, how am I having this conversation with <laughs> yeah. someone who isn't eight? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, well, it's because anyway. they were told back when they were in sixth grade, you got to ask, yeah, man. Yeah, probably. Okay. So you were, you're in middle school and you're dealing with uh, your curiosity on your own. Um, and then you meet this teacher in eighth grade. What yeah. was that like? She was wonderful. She, I feel like this is a stereotype of every eighth grade teacher, and maybe it's only in the, the school systems that I've been a part of, but she was that eighth grade teacher you were afraid of uh-huh. <laughs> until you had her. Right. Um, hmm. And I Mine remember- was the same way, actually, in eighth yeah, grade. It's, yeah. it, like, you have to have a woman that is, like, in charge, but is so, like, loving, and it's that love with discipline. Like, I just, I loved her so much. Um and I, I still, as a, as a, as a teacher, one of the things that I, I take away from her is I always thought as a, as a student, oh, now we're her people. And, and if anybody messes with us, they're messing with her. Like, hmm. and, and it, it was that kind of protective love. Um, and it was interesting. I remember her having a couple of conversations with me because I still had to have those other 
teachers for different subject areas because um, they did kind of divided it up. Mm-hmm. And I remember her a couple times having conversations with me about like, how do you, how do you challenge things when they're while still being respectful? And how do you, how do you ask questions in those environments? And she, she guided me in a way that I really appreciated um, because I think she did a good job of taming, like, don't be a jerk, like mm-hmm. <laughs> um, use it well. Um so, so what did that feel like then? Because you just had these three years of, you know, basically misogynistic abuse. <laughs> and, and now you've got, um, you know, squelching your learning, saying girls can't do stuff, all this, all of that. And then you come to this, this teacher who is like the exact opposite and encourages you. I mean, do you remember like what that was, what that was like at the time? Yeah. Um, I, I remember coming home the, the day she had told me that. And my dad, my dad picked us up. He was the like carpool dad. So he picked us up and he asked like, how did, how did the school go today? And I just like beamed and <laughs> my dad said something like, so did you get in trouble? Like I was beaming as though I <laughs> like, I did it again, dad. <laughs> um, and I said, no, I got to ask more than five questions today. Oh gosh. And I don't know, that was really, I, it's, it's amazing how much trust that built like with this particular teacher. And she was the English teacher, like that was her subject area. And I, um, I studied actually, I'm, I, have a, I have a major in secondary education, but minor in theology and English, because I was thinking I would be an English teacher. And she was one of those people that just, I could trust that, if she was challenging me or asking me to to think deeper about something or I remember I would like pose ideas about stories and she could tell me like, I, I feel like there's something more to it. And I never felt attacked. I felt like, Oh, she's pouring into me. She wants me to, to learn more. And it, it made me defend her a lot. Cause you know, then there's some kids that were so afraid of her still. Yeah. And I'd be like, no, you can't. She's the best. She is just below Jesus. Yeah. yeah. It was good. So was that a, a turning point for your education experience? Was that a turning point for you or was that just, uh, not just, was it an important marker in your journey in, in this frontier? I think, again, reflecting on, I think, well, you'll learn things changed a little bit for me when I was in high school. Um, but I, I think what it taught me is seek out the people that are going to encourage you, um, and be a source, try to be that person for other people. Um, I don't think I always did that well, but I was a teenager. Um, you know, give yourself a little grace there. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I, I think it just taught me like, oh, this isn't it's not the norm what I was experiencing. And it's so weird saying it now. Cause even like hearing you guys say back, like, what was it like to have misogynistic abuse? I'm like, Oh God, is that what it was? Um, That's what it was. But, and, it, and, and it's so hard. Like, again, I, I, I really did love the school that I went to. It was just very sometimes in spite of some of the things that happened to me. Um, and, and so I think for me, it was, a good reminder that 
uh, people are broken and I'm, I'm in that too. Um, and I think one of the things that she taught me was you decide what you do in those, like you have control over your response. You might not have control over, over what's said to you um, or done to you, but how you respond to that is up to you and you can take the high road and you can continue to, you know, be curious. Um, don't, don't stifle the curiosity. I remember actually, now that you're saying that, I remember she had me in some of the classes that I still have with them. She would have me keep like a question journal. <laughs> she was like, mm. just write down all your questions and then maybe we can talk about them here. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And it was awesome. interesting because the other eighth grade teacher was also a woman and she was, she was like, like my teacher was the, you know, strict by the rules one. And then the other eighth grade teacher was the like, well, you can get away with anything in your class. And it really, <laughs> yeah. in reality, you couldn't, but she was just a, a in people's minds, a, a fun teacher. And so she was one of those two that would be like, just bring your question to me. Like, I know some of those other subject areas we'll talk. Like it was kind of nice to have that. Yeah. So what, what made high school different for you? You hinted at that. Yeah. Um, I think for me, so, and this will probably get into talking about what, what piques my interest in the old Testament, but I, through the process of, I don't know how all church bodies do it, but my particular church body does confirmation in seventh and eighth grade. And, um, I have a lot of theories as to why we do it. Um, but essentially the, at the end of the day, the point of confirmation I realized was study the answers that are in a particular book and give those answers back. And if you get the answers all right, you pass and you win. And like to the point where, um, <laughs> to the point where like you legitimately have a questioning service before you get confirmed. And it's like before the elders of the church and they'll ask you like a question from one of the books and like you have to, you have to respond back with what it says. And you're in seventh um, grade at this point. Eighth eighth grade, grade. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's Nate, intense. Did you have that too? We didn't have the questioning, but that was because my dad's a pastor and he knew better. Yeah. Yeah. It was like <laughs> terrifying. Like you had to, you had to have all these answers memorized, which like in retrospect, that's literally what like Mormon and Jehovah's witness have as their thing for when they come to your door. So I'm always like, why is that? Our answer is just memorize information. Um, and so okay. I, I am a good student and I'm a curious student, but I also like want to make sure I do, like I want to be the one that gets it right. And I realized in that process that I, I think that's how I was shaped to believe that faith was. Faith was having the right answers and you study the Bible and you study the stories until you find the one right answer. And once you find the one right answer, then you're done with that story. And there's nothing more to learn. You figured it out. Mm. Like it's a puzzle. And then go to the next story that you don't get. And by the way, I carried this in even to my adulthood. Um, yeah. But what that meant for me in high school was like, I was just a really good Pharisee. Like I knew <laughs> the right answers and I knew what kids were doing. And... <laughs> Part of it is like, I was a good kid. I'll tell you right now. Uh, I did not drink in high school. I didn't party in high school. I didn't do any of that stuff. Um, 
mostly because of conviction. Just I didn't want to do that. And I have a really mm-hmm. strong um, fear of consequences, uh, despite <laughs> all the questionings that it sounds like. Um, if you've seen Mean Girls, the, the PE teacher that's like, if you have sex, you will get gonorrhea and you will die. Like that is <laughs> that is my conscience. Like if you mm. go to one party, you will get caught and you will never get hired yeah. and no one will marry you and yeah, you'll die that's... a lonely woman. <laughs> so, um, so I just kind of like knew, oh, I don't want to be a part of that scene. I also had siblings that definitely pushed the boundaries and I was afraid for them all the time. And I felt like I was kind of their adult sometimes, like yeah. keeping them from uh-huh. doing bad things. Yeah. So um, then when I got justification, they're like, you are correct, Sarah. You're not supposed to do any of those things. And here's why. And everybody gave me every <laughs> proof passage for why right. I shouldn't do any of these XYZ bad yeah. things. Then I just paired to the back. And I made my goal to learn all of, what is the right thing to do? What is our right belief about XYZ doctrine? And if I learned that, then I did it and I, and I passed. Um, and it was hard because I, I feel like in many ways, I basically left the frontier. <laughs> like, nope, you're done. Go back, go, go, find, a, go find a town hmm. to settle in. Mm-hmm. Um, and mine happened to be Pharisee town. Um, <laughs> yeah. It is an interesting juxtaposition because, you know, I think you're right of like, you went from being taught everything is okay to at least question. And then we, then they gave you the questions after yeah. that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What and was I, it about confirmation that made that like a switch for you? It sounds like a switch. Maybe that's too simplistic, but. I don't know. Cause I don't think I was aware of it at the time. I think I just got to high school and. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things. Basically, I remember making a pact with friends of mine when I was in eighth grade that like we weren't going to drink. Like we knew that was going to be a peer pressure and we both had older siblings and we weren't going to drink. And then I remember like first month of school going to a party and I was like, oh, no, there's drinking there. And then watching her do it. And I was like, I'm alone. <laughs> um, we made yeah. a pact. Yeah. And, uh, and I had like I had a boyfriend for a hot minute who dumped me and I found out from his best friend, it was because he found out I wasn't going to have sex with him. And I was like, well, this is <laughs> like, I really did have this moment of, Oh, if you stand by things, like if you have conviction, it's going to be a lonely road, but at least you'll have what you believe in. Mm, um, okay. And I think that just colored every, I think I was proud to have convictions both in the, in the negative sense of the word pride, I think that's what led to my, my Pharisee mm-hmm. uh, bent. Um, but I also was proud of like, I, I, I was never a kid that succumbed to peer pressure. Like I wasn't gonna be deterred from that. Um, yeah. And then I think in, in high school, like my theology classes in high school were, I mean, my old Testament class was a joke. Um, I can't even, I was, there's too many stories about how, how much of a joke it was, but my sophomore year, it was interesting cause I still did challenge things, but it was always, then I would come back to like, okay, you can push the boundaries, you can push the envelope so far, but then whatever answer they give back, like you're going to have to parrot that back to them, even if you're still struggling to understand if that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a, I had a teacher my sophomore year that he, I mean, 
I would not mind saying some of the, I mean, he was very chauvinistic in that way and did not like my challenging of things, but I would always come back at like, this is what the Bible says. And I still feel like I was doing it as a Pharisee of like, you're, you're saying something that the Bible doesn't say. Um, and I would get in trouble with him. And then my junior year, we had advanced <laughs> air quotes, right? Advanced, <laughs> advanced Lutheran doctrine. Now, we never had beginning Lutheran doctrine, but we had advanced. Um, and he was a, that was our campus pastor and he was really good. And he let me ask questions and we talked a lot. And um, I remember talking to him about all of the doctrine issues that I was just like struggling with, but it was always coming at it from the angle of please tell me what the right answer is. Cause I don't know what the right answer is. And if mm. I don't know what the right answer is, then how can I hold people to that? And mm. uh, I think he was gracious in giving me a lot of room to say, you don't know these right answers, but now looking back, I still feel like there was a lot that I, I mean, there's always, there's not much room for gray, I think in most denominations. I think there's a struggle to say, maybe we don't know, but hmm. so I, I guess if we fast forward, cause I, I don't need to spend time on my whole life, but like I went to a school, I had really uh, a university had great professors in all my theology classes that just kind of kept saying like, ask questions and struggle and let's talk. And I still wanted to get it right. And I think in my mind, I had a lot of these pieces that I was seeing in scripture, but not seeing reflected in the doctrine of my church body. And I didn't really know what to do with it because I didn't want to, I'm always afraid of, I'm not afraid of getting fired, but I'm just always aware that like I'm, I'm being employed by my church body. So, yeah. um, and I'm really good friends with my teaching partner and he and I, and we've, we've taught together for all my 14 years and we're, we're friends, but it honestly wasn't until maybe like six or seven years ago that I said, I kind of feel like, and then insert some of the questions I had and found out he was in the same boat as me. And he's an incredibly intelligent human being. And I was like, oh, he doesn't have all the answers. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I felt like I was sometimes moment, chasing. Huh? Yeah. I felt like Damn. I was chasing him trying to like, make sure I was teaching my kids the right thing so that our kids weren't getting taught different things. And I was wrong. And, mm. and then I just said, okay, like, I, I don't know. I felt, I felt welcomed back to the frontier. Uh, I felt like it's okay that you left for a little bit. <laughs> um, come back kind of thing. Hmm. So what was it that started to, before that moment, what was it that started bringing you back into the frontier? What was, uh, what was challenging you? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, as, as I've said, I teach the old Testament and I, um, I really do love it. I think that it's when, when understood makes the gospel just way more beautiful than anything you can imagine, um, wakes our God way more intelligent and complex and also simple at the same time. Um, but when taught incorrectly is, uh, probably the most damaging thing that Christians can wield. Um, 
And so I've always been grateful to have it. Uh, my very first year of teaching, my husband works in the film industry and he uh, was, he had a uh, lunch and they invite this particular director he was working with invited. Um, he always invited people like they'd have like hour long lunches, work lunches. And so Josh invited me and um, it's going to sound like a setup to a joke, but I assure you it's real. Uh, <laughs> sitting around the table was uh, a head elder of the Mormon church, a, uh, a homosexual who was raised Christian and kind of felt kicked out of the Christian church. Um, a person who was raised Catholic, married to a Jewish person who um, would describe, I believe he described himself as atheist or maybe agnostic, a um, woman who was raised in Hollywood and she was raised atheist, uh, a diehard right-wing Republican Christian, and then Josh and I, <laughs> my husband and I. Um, uh, and of course the question was asked, oh, what do you do? And that is my least favorite question on the planet. <laughs> uh, and I avoided it at all costs. I was like, uh, I teach, I teach. Oh, what do you teach? High school? Oh, what do you teach in high school? <laughs> oh, what do you teach? Here's Old Testament. Boys and, and girls. I just, like curl in a ball. Um, <laughs> and it was interesting because for an hour, for an hour, I listened, the question was posed, why didn't Moses get to go into the promised land? Huh. That's the interesting question. Yeah. For, yeah. yeah. It, it was great. I, I kind of actively decided at the beginning, I'm not going to talk because I've never been in this environment before. Yeah. And my husband didn't talk either. And we just kind of listened. And I remember just going to my car after that and exhaling for like 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> and it was interesting. I, I, I tell that story to my students at the beginning of the year, because I always say the thing that united every single person at that table was the old Testament. Hmm. Um, and, and, and the thing that united us was the old Testament. And, you know, most people are okay with Jesus, right. In their mind, he, you know, farts butterflies and walks on rainbows, even if you don't <laughs> believe right. in him. Right. And so the things that are controversial are the God of the old Testament and kind of hearing honestly, how, our friend who was the Christian um, in that group, I mean, I'm friends with all those people, but the, the Christian in that group, not having any answers, but also feeling like they had to have all these answers. Um, and I followed up with them later because there was another conversation I was there for when Job was brought up and I listened to this, my friend give all this stuff. And I was like, why did you say that? And he said, well, I had to say something. And I was like, no, you didn't. You could say, I don't know. <laughs> Um, and I think that kind of encouraged me to go, well, if we don't say, we don't know, then we don't ever get to be a part of the conversation. Um, and I also don't get to know where people are at. And so for me specifically, I, I started to realize that a lot of, I personally think our misinterpretation of, of Genesis and maybe more specifically Genesis one to 11, and even most specifically Genesis one through three, um, are, are kind of coloring every other interpretation of every other text. Um, hmm. And that's what invited me back to the frontier. Cause I thought uh, I got a lot of questions and if I can't ask the questions, then I'm, I'm certainly not going to get any new answers. Um, and I, my rule of thumb is I'll put anything I'll put anything to the fire. Like I, I will, 
I don't mind putting something to the fire because if it's true, it's true. Hmm. And um, that's why I'm not, I tell my students, I'm not afraid. Like, please don't, don't sugarcoat. Don't tell me what you think I want to hear. Like, if you're not Christian, don't tell me you are. Um, because I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead. And I, I believe it's going to stand the test of the fire. Um, but I think there's a lot of other things that I'm not as 100% sure on um, in terms of doctrines that we hold um, that I go, ah, I don't know. Like, uh, to use a personal one to you, Ryan, like, I don't, I don't really know <laughs> what the biblical stance is on homosexuality. Like, it's something I, I'm, I have a vested interest in. But I don't know. And so if if kids are killing themselves over it and adults are too, and it's it's people's lives on the line and people's like who who they are on the line, like if I'm not hundred percent sure, I have a really hard time like getting out there beating my chest about it. Well, you know, if I could get more people in the conservative world even just to say that, it would feel like <laughs> a lot of progress. Um, yeah. But um, yeah. yeah. The bar literally couldn't be lower and we can't right. even you can yeah. trip over it. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for listening so far to our conversation with Sarah, an Old Testament teacher. It's such a wonderful conversation. I wish we didn't have to turn this into two parts, but we just really enjoyed our chat with her. And so uh, we made it too long for one episode. Come back next week as we conclude our conversation and we dive even deeper into what it's what set her off back into the frontier. It's a wonderful conversation and I'm really excited for you. So I'm going to plead with you. Please come back and listen to this uh, next episode next week as we finish that conversation. Until then, know that uh, God loves you no matter what, and that uh, it really is okay not to know. 